Uh, the Sixers open up their playoff series with the Nets on Saturday. That's when we finally get a start to all of these. I, I'm not as excited, Tristan, I'm be honest with you, about the other playing games coming up. I'm just ready for the rest of the playoffs to start. I feel like we had some good ones. But Sixers-Nets is uh, one of the interesting series for me here. Now, Sixers are the favorites, but... You know, this Nets team is still kind of hung on with Mikael Bridges kind of taking over as their, uh, I, I guess, star, their number one. Now, Gina Mizell covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And right, let's just let, let's start with the series as a whole right now. The Sixers come into the playoffs. They're expecting to win this series. They want to win this series. Their expectations and their goals are much higher. When you look at this team versus what you had last year going into the playoffs with the Sixers, what's what's the difference to you? Yeah, well, I think they're a lot deeper. And I think however much you can measure an intangible, like, physical and mental toughness, I think mm -hmm. they have more of that this season. When you add guys like P.J. Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, even deeper down the bench, someone like a Jalen McDaniels, a Daniel House, um, they think they're better equipped to handle, you know, not just the Nets in the first round, but to have to potentially go through both Boston and Milwaukee if they want to make the NBA Finals, most likely. So, yeah, that's, I think, the biggest difference. And then maybe not different as far as personnel, but just the fact that you got to remember that last year when James Harden was acquired at the deadline, they only had about 25 games to, uh, to get him on the same page with Joel Embiid, and now they've had a whole season to be able to do that, and they've become, obviously, a very potent pick-and-roll combination um, Joel Embiid led the league in, in scoring, and James Harden led the league in assists. So that's, I think, the two biggest differences in the Sixers team versus last year. You talk about depth, Melton, P.J. Tucker, McDaniels. Who out of the, the guys that they've added to the depth do you think has been surprisingly the most impactful? I think DeAnthony Melton, just because he's been asked to do a lot of different things. Um, early in the season when James Harden was out for about a month with a foot injury and then Tyrese Maxey also out, he broke his foot. And DeAnthony Melton had to slide into what you thought he was going to be the sixth man coming into the season, but had to start for a lot of the year. And then even when Tyrese Maxey came back, he remained in the starting lineup for a little bit to like kind of give them more of that defensive presence. And then ultimately they switched back to Maxi as the starter, but he's been asked to do a lot of different stuff. Obviously he's a very good perimeter defender, but he's even, you know, been relied upon to be an outside shooter and to score the basketball and even to be a complimentary ball handler at some points when they were really struck by injuries. So yeah, I mean, you look at guys like a PJ Tucker, this is when you're expecting to see PJ Tucker make the biggest impact. But as far as who's been the, the most impressive throughout the season, I think you got to give that to DeAnthony Melton. Yeah, and we, we know, too, look, I mean, this team goes as far as Joel Embiid can carry them. Uh, to me, he's my yeah. league MVP this year. But then again, we could argue that Jokic and Giannis, we've all done the, had this conversation. They all, all have had MVP years, which is what's made this season so great. But there's no question that yeah. Joel Embiid is what carries this team, which means you got to have somebody else besides just Joel Embiid to consistently give you you know, quality minutes and a name that obviously has to come to mind too is going to be James Harden and what we saw in the playoffs last year I'm not even going back to Houston and that's a whole different time and air and we can say what we want about about that but the reality of it is he was inconsistent at best and half the time looked disinterested especially in that second round series for the Sixers do you expect more out of him because he he has changed his role a little bit he's gone to more of a facilitator he's uh, he understands that Joel Embiid is the the straw that stirs the drink in Philadelphia if you will do you I mean do you have confidence is there a confidence within the fan base within the media there that you're going to get what you need from James Harden to help support Joel Embiid consistently in the playoffs I mean, I think there's a reason to not be skeptical, but to mm -hmm. be kind of in a wait-and-see type of mode just for a couple of reasons. I mean, what you mentioned last year about 
um, him being inconsistent in the playoffs. And I remember that game six, their final loss to Miami. You know, he only took, I think, one shot in the second half and made those post-game comments about, like, well, the ball just didn't come back to me, which was uh, perplexing, to say the least. And you alluded to it, uh, the, the Achilles with James Harden. I think that's, you know, not alarming, but it's definitely – worth monitoring and and I think at least a slight concern considering it kept him out for a few games in late March and obviously they rested him for a couple games you know at the end of the season when everything was locked up and he's now had basically a week to get prepared and rested and and whatever treatment he's getting to be prepared for this long uh, playoff run or what the Sixers are hoping is a long playoff run but you're right he has changed his game he's evolved Um, he has become a lot more of a distributor but you still want to be able to rely on him when defenses are so concentrated on Embiid that he can still get to the basket and score, can still hit that step back three. And so, no, it, I think this is a very big postseason for James Harden as well, um, you know, both for his time with the Sixers, but also he's going to be a free agent at the end of or can be a free agent at the end of this season. And we don't need to get into all of what could happen this summer. But if we're just looking in the short term, yeah, he's he's got, I think, something to prove and, and understands the opportunity that's in front of him. Yeah. You think about butterfly effects, Gina, and I, I look at Mikhail Bridges and what he's turned yeah. into. And I think about draft night. I was there and I watched mm-hmm. the, the energy drain from his face when he found out he was not going to be a Sixer, even though all the family ties that he has. If you're like to imagine what this team looks like if they would not have made that trade for Zaire and Mikhail Bridges would have stayed on the team, just for like, you know, fun. What do you think this team like looks like? What do you think they they do differently? Like do they trade for Tobias ever? Like in your mind how does that go down? Yeah, no, it's 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 very easy to start just saying what if what if what if like you said and I mean I covered Mikhail actually with the, I covered the Suns for 3 years. So I I covered the first 3 seasons of his career and just watching him blossom where he was always a good defender and then evolving into a lockdown all defense type defender and then just watching his offense continue to take step after step after step and expanding and even with that I did not expect him to become the 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 score that he is for Brooklyn now obviously a lot of that is sort of out of necessity and just at least the opportunity he's been given with the Nets but if he were to remain on the Sixers um, I mean to start like you said the Tobias Harris question is reasonable they probably don't draft Matisse Theibel the the next year um, who was kind of a you know equally good maybe even better on the defensive end but obviously way worse on offense and and yeah I think you just would have had that lockdown player that at for at least part of the time you would have been able to pair with Ben Simmons on the perimeter and I think that defense would have been really good and then it would have just been a matter of how did it off how did it offensive game evolve within that system with playing with Joel Embiid and playing with um you know the, the other guys that they had there Ben Simmons at the time so yeah it's always interesting to to think about those kind of sliding doors uh, moments and, and how they could have changed history, but um, good for him for for coming out and playing as well as he has after the KD trade. And I'm sure he's going to have a lot of people supporting him there in Philly because it would have been really hard for him to to play against the Sixers in the playoffs um, if he had stayed in the West. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And and you talk about like the storylines. The storyline I think is like Ben Simmons and Harden Nets versus Sixers. But to me, you know, Mikael Bridges being there too. Do you think that's going to be? like a, a, a factor in this series in terms of like can can the Nets win a game or two is is he going to be that deciding factor 
Yeah, what I think is interesting is that the Sixers have played the Nets twice since all the trades happened. Um, one of them was the regular season finale, so obviously we can't play anything into that because it was all you know G League guys and and nobody important in that game. But um, the only other time they played them was in February, and it was actually Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson's first game. It was like they had their introductory press conference, and then they went and played their first game. So there was still a lot of obviously newness and uncertainty um, on both sides of that game. I think so. It's going to be really interesting interesting to see how this first game unfolds or these first couple games unfold as as coaches you know roll out their initial game plans and then make adjustments for game two but it's just so strange how again if you would have told me in September that the Sixers were going to play the Nets in a playoff series we would have thought about all these spicy storylines and not saying we don't have some there are some but uh just the way that the NBA has changed and specifically this Nets team has changed has made it quite a, a different series is coming into it these two teams are so intertwined with so many different things. Talking to Gina Mizell, the Philadelphia Inquirer, or BetMGM tonight. Uh, so let's, since we're doing hypotheticals, I like that, Trista. I might throw a hypothetical here, too. Let, let's say the okay. Sixers don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Bare minimum here. You mentioned the road they're going to probably have to go through to get to the Finals. That's Milwaukee and Boston. That's going to be tough. What does this offseason look like for them? It's going to be very interesting. Um, I, I imagine that I will be busy one, one way or the other. Because um, like you mentioned, predict, predicting them not to get to the Eastern Conference Finals is, if you go by historic perspective, um, it's, a, it's a good prediction because I haven't done it since Allen Iverson was uh, leading this team. So, yeah, I mean, again, if, if we want to just speculate, um, again, it starts with what does that mean for Doc Rivers' future? What does that mean for James Harden's future? I mentioned that he could become a free agent, and of course there were some you know, reports percolating earlier in the season that he's at least potentially, possibly, maybe interested in exploring the possibility of going back to Houston. But how serious is that? I'm not sure. Um, you know, Joel Embiid, obviously people like to look at who's the next star to you know, ask out or to demand a trade. And I know that Joel is really happy here, and he appreciates – being in Philly and even though this can be a tough sports market to be in he likes that and kind of thrives on that so I think they would try to then if if crazy things happened and they they underwent big changes I think the changes would involve first at least trying to then rebuild around Embiid what does that look like I have no idea that's further down the line but certainly if they were to fail to get out of the second round again I do think it's fair to wonder, um, you know, what that would mean just moving forward and what this iteration of this Sixers team would look like, you know, moving forward. Nick Nurse possibly taking some time to decide what his future looks like. Eric Spolstra. He made that whole spiel in Philly. That was like randomly before a game here a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> you think to yourself, was that a coincidence? I mean, because there could be, Gina, some real deal, legit coaches possibly having an opening or, or availability to to go to somewhere else right yeah no it would be really fascinating and you know obviously uh people like to make the link between daryl morey and mike d'antoni obviously and what they did in houston but that was you know a long time ago and would d'antoni be interested in head coaching again i don't i literally have no idea um but yeah you look at nick nurse you look at just how the coaching market could shift it but then you also look at you know, some other teams have hired younger coaches. You look at like what happened with Boston and Joe Missoula and the job that he's done or Will Hardy in Utah. Or, you know, you don't necessarily have to go after, I don't want to say retreads, but like guys that we know their names. Like there's a lot of really talented coaches, but it would be a matter of, you know, this team, even if some things change, you still have Joel Embiid in his prime and you want to win now. So you're not trying to develop a young team. Yes, there are some young pieces on this team, but you're trying to win now. And so it would have to be somebody that you trusted could 
do you do what you needed to both you know establish the relationships with players but most importantly have the strategy and the wherewithal to to get this team over the hump between you me and the lamppost have you heard any names floated <laughs> around <laughs> no and uh i i'll, I'll say that you know it, it when you sort of even doc rivers was asked about it sometime this week about his job job status or the pressure on him, I guess, more personally would be the better way to frame it. And, and obviously no one will, will touch that. So yeah, that, <laughs> that, I mean, it, it could, but it was a question last year when they lost in the second round and Daryl Morey kind of nipped that pretty soon at exit interviews the day after the season ended. But um, if you go a whole other year, it, it's just sometimes kind of the way that this thing goes. And like I said, it would be, it would just be very interesting to see what would happen if this all kind of falls apart um, in the second round again this year. Got about 90 seconds here, Gina. I mean, we, we talk Milwaukee. We talk Boston all the time with the East. And then you look at the Sixers as a question mark that have high ceiling, but there can also be a low floor. Is there any other team in the Eastern Conference you look at that I don't know, could surprise people a little bit? I, I look at Cleveland. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan, but I'm going to try to be realistic. It's probably not going to happen. I think they lose to Cleveland in the first round. But is there any other team that you look at and go, you know, if the things fall just right, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it is the the maybe the winner of that four five series, which I think is going to be great between the, the Knicks and the Cavs. Like just some really fun, talented players on both sides of that matchup. So yeah, could that team potentially give um, give Milwaukee a run for its money? I mean, all season I kept waiting for when is Miami finally going to get it together, and they basically did it. And even Toronto, to a certain extent, considering they basically had their same team from last year, but. Those teams just obviously never quite figured it out. Um, you know, obviously Miami still has a chance to, to get into the playoffs, but overall I don't think, you know, they're a threat. So, no, I would say the, the four or five winner might make things at least kind of punchy for, for Milwaukee in the second round, but I really do think it's it's the top three teams and in that, you know, Boston, uh, Boston Philly series in the second round, and then particularly, most likely, that Boston-Milwaukee Eastern Conference Finals is going to be very fun. Yeah, definitely not as wide open in the East as it is in the West right now. That's that's for sure. Wow. Gina Mizell, Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank Good you stuff. for coming on. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.